Hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Becoming Less, an Edmontonian journey to less waste, less impact, less consumption, and less clutter. Becoming Less is brought to you by Waste Free Edmonton, and together we are dedicated to waste reduction efforts both big and small. I'm Biz, and in this episode, we are jumping ahead in our six-part series of the R's of Sustainability to ROT, mainly because I had the wonderful opportunity to chat with Mark, the Compost Programs Coordinator with the City. ROT is also the one segment that doesn't really have a place in the order of things, as it tends to only pertain to food, and I guess garden scraps, and it's kind of its own thing. So it doesn't really matter where in the lineup it stands anyway. I was recently able to attend a presentation by Mark at Compost School. His passion for compost and nature in general is truly so inspiring. If you don't already compost, Mark is sure to get you motivated to start. Hi Mark, it's so nice to chat with you again. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's great to be here, Biz. Thanks. Can you give an overview of your role as composting program coordinator? Sure. Uh, so my job is to encourage and support home composting in Edmonton. So uh, by encouraging, I try to connect people with all of the good things that compost does for the soil and um, all of the good things that waste reduction does for the system. And uh, I try to support home composting through uh, workshops and the questions uh, through our helpline. We've got email or telephone helpline, uh, the websites, presentations, and uh, uh, running stuff at compost school. That's awesome. So how did you get into composting? Ooh, well, I was kind of born into it. Um, I grew up in a family where we we just grew, grew food. We, we didn't eat unless we grew our own food. So I've been growing food in Edmonton for about five decades now. And I've uh, managed to remain passionate about growing and the soil and about tasty food. Uh, I went on to volunteer for the Hort Society in the 90s and uh, got introduced to uh, to waste services through Communities in Bloom, where I, where I saw a presentation by this really cool guy called Gary Spitowski. And if you're familiar with Waste in Edmonton, then you know Gary at least by reputation. Uh, and uh, I, just, I decided uh, that I really wanted to have his job, uh, <laughs> which I never did get, but um, I came pretty close. I, I landed my job. I landed a job working for Gary in 2004, and then in 2008 moved into this current position, the best job in the world. So are you involved with the Master Composter Recycler Program in town? Yeah, I, uh, I took the course just after I started with Waste and graduated in 2005, and I was totally blown away by the program, by um, the scope of the of the issues, not just composting, but all the, the hazardous waste issues and recycling issues. And uh, anyone who goes through the program will tell you that their mind is just blown by by the content. And then there's the people. All the, all the people who take it are really passionate about sustainability and waste reduction. And uh, I tell you, volunteering with the program has taught me so many skills, and uh, the, the program leads are amazing mentors. They help me learn how to talk about waste and how to nudge people towards reduction. Uh, and uh, I yeah. tried to apply for that last year and they just didn't have space for me, I guess. Um, but I will try again. Yeah, keep trying to get a lot of amazing applicants every year. So how can composting help divert waste from landfill? Well, I like to say it doesn't uh, because composting at home is not about waste at all. Composting and, and mulching using your your organics as mulch, which we have uh, called uncomposting, 
Uh, it doesn't divert waste because it prevents waste. It's that R reduce. So the waste isn't created at all. So when you're talking about my role in composting, it is to encourage people to do it at home. And that means that all of that organic that stays at home is not waste because it's not thrown away. So the the city also has composting as a tactic in waste management. So if you throw out your banana peel, it becomes waste. And then there is the role for waste services to direct some of the waste towards better management areas. So some of it gets directed towards composting, some towards recycling, some properly uh, handled uh, toxic material through the eco stations. So uh, talking about my role, home composting is talking about waste reduction where there's no waste created. Talking about composting in the big picture with city, city composting, uh, that is where diversion comes into play. Gotcha. It's more of a prevention than a diversion. Yes. Okay. Yep. An elimination. Elimination. A Excellent. A halt. <laughs> the big do not pass. <laughs> uh, what can you tell us about the City of Edmonton's plans to implement curbside compost? Right. So that is the green cart uh, system where we're just asking this. Well, we, the, my team, the greater collections people are inviting people to sort their organics differently. So we have composted as as diversion in Edmonton since 2000, since we built the big compost facility, and have expanded into digestion and field composting. So the city is doing what it can to reduce what goes to landfill through composting. But to formalize it, to, to further separate and to create good quality processes, we're asking Edmontonians to use the green card uh, and craft bags. So there's two different areas there when it comes to the, the change in, in the process. So sorting waste isn't reduction. It just makes it easier for us to divert it. And uh, the folks in waste services in the collections area will use the green cart content, which is high-quality food, to produce biogas through the digestion process. And the brown bags will go to field composting to create an excellent soil product. And there's lots of information about that process uh, on edmonton.ca slash cart rollout. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it coming to my house. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. uh, What are some types of composting that people can do at home? Oh, there's lots of options. We have a saying around here that if you've seen one compost bin, you've seen just one compost bin, (laughs) which I'm sure you've heard me say many times out at compost school. Generally, there are four ways to compost outdoors and five ways to compost indoors. Uh, For the outdoor methods, there's just dig a little hole in the ground and and pile up your organics, trying to balance your greens and browns as you go and add the soil back, and eventually that will will break down. Just keep it uh, moist and keep it aerated. Or you could get yourself a bin, so it could be uh, just a a simple box. You could make it out of wood or out of uh, pallets, or you can buy a plastic unit, or you can buy a a tumbler or a multi-unit. There's all kinds of different bin styles out there. It's just a matter of the one that is right for the amount of waste you have and the amount of space you have. And then you can uh, compost cool or hot. So when you're composting cool, we say that you're just continually feeding about a pail of stuff from your kitchen every week goes into that pile and you're balancing with greens or browns. And um, you're just fluffing it up occasionally and uh, the finished compost will fall down to the bottom and it stays relatively cool and takes three to six months for that material to finish. Uh, whereas if you are Balancing your greens and browns and building a big batch of material where you've got a lot of greens and browns and you're chopping up your greens and you're keeping it moist and adding some some soil as you go, then your pile is going to heat up and get quite hot and the temperature increase is going to speed up decomposition and you're going to have compost really quick, like 
five or six weeks, you might get a finished pile of compost ready to use. So that's the general approaches to outdoors. And then, of course, that just has to be adapted to the site. And then the five ways of composting indoors, worm composting, of course, vermiculture is the most popular. Bokashi is becoming more interesting and and more accessible to people. So that's really cool to watch. That was one I didn't know about. If you've got a lot of money, you can spend spend it on a machine or you can install a composting toilet uh, or you can just put some scraps on your house plants. Just create a layer of mulch on, on your house plants and uh, top that off with some coffee grounds or tea leaves and that looks very natural and it uh, continually feeds the soil every time you water your house plants. So a lot of different different ways to do, to do it. Is it necessary for people to put up a lot of money in order to get started? Well, that's a great question. Um, well, some people have different higher standards than I do. Um, I, I just say if you've got a spot in your garden and you've got a stick to, to poke it with, then that's all you need. Uh, and just start slow and, and make the process work for you. But some people, of course, want to have the best bin in their garden. And you can get some that are really beautiful and you can get some that are really engaging. Um, I like to say the ones that are beautiful, you really have to consider the carbon footprint because you're we're getting into layers and layers of plastic and color and manufacturing that just makes makes it a, a carbon footprint nightmare. So uh, keep that in mind if you're looking for a bin. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep the kids in mind, the family one is going to work. I always say the best bin for your yard is the one that you'll use. Uh, so figure out what works for you um, and come out to compost school and see what's on display. You might have a favorite. You might think that the, what you loved about one bin wasn't really something that is a problem is something you can overcome there were so many different kinds of bins <laughs> so many yeah. there were so many in your composting journey have you do you have any regrets about any choices you made i currently live in an apartment that i don't have a yard so i don't have anywhere to compost and my partner does not want worms in the house so i'm actually uh-huh. doing a compost sharing option and giving all of my scraps to my coworker. oh awesome so can you talk about the greens and browns a little bit? Which, what are they? Sure. Those are the inputs that go into the composting system. Um, and we talk about greens and browns to help folks understand the, the balance uh, of the, the, the ingredients and the complexities of the materials. We don't want to bore people too much with science. So we say that basically greens are fresh and juicy and browns are dry and woody. But you know that all plants go from a stage of being fresh and juicy and then as they age in the summertime and take in more carbon, they become a little bit deeper green or some color and start producing seeds and flowers. And eventually they end up dead, stem uh, plant residue. So all plant material goes through this continuum of a carbon to nitrogen ratio. So we say, hey, just mix your greens and browns together in about equal amounts and watch for these signs. Are you getting heat? Is it composting? Or is it just sitting there and not doing anything? And then use the water and air part of the recipe to keep it working. And if you want more heat, add more green. And if it's starting to smell a little bit, add more oxygen, maybe more browns to absorb some of the moisture, and, um, and you'll be fine. So we don't like to talk too much about carbon to nitrogen ratio, although that is a big part of, of composting. Uh, you don't need to understand any of the science to just understand that fresh, juicy things are on one side, dry, woody things are on the other. And if you mix them together about equal amounts, you'll be on, a, on the right track. Awesome. So do the water and moisture part of it, do they vary depending on which kind of composting you're doing? Well, you're generally looking for a water to air ratio that is about like a wrung out rag. 
So if you take a, a saturated rag and squeeze it, you're going to be down to about 50% moisture in that rag. And if you wring it out, you'll be down to about 30% moisture. So that's a good range of moisture level for our climate. When the air is drier, and uh, especially in the fall, that's a time to have it about 50%, a little bit more wet. Uh, but when it's um, quite moist, lots of humidity in the air, that's when you want to keep it a little bit more on the drier side, about 30%. So that's a general guideline for any type of composting. You want to make sure that there's oxygen in the mix, and you want to make sure that your enzymes and acids remain liquid and remain working. So when it comes to fluffing up, about every three days to once a week is, is great. But some people who just pile it up and want to leave it to decay more slowly, they might only fluff it about once a month, in which case it's going to take longer. So it depends on your goals. If you are willing to wait for your compost and maybe risk a wasp nest or an ant's nest in that pile, then you can fluff it less frequently. But if you want to make compost fast and make really good quality compost to kickstart your soil into uh, storing uh, liquid carbons and, and building deeper soil, then you want to fluff it more often. Okay, so if there's somebody like me who lives in an apartment and doesn't have anywhere to compost, are there options for them to take their compost too? Uh, well, sure. There's uh, there's a few. <clears throat> if you're if you can't have the indoor method, well, what about a a couple of big tote bins on your balcony or a terrace? That might be a way. Uh, there's bokashi, which is fermentation, which doesn't have the living creepy crawlies. Well, they're they're living, but they're microscopic. Uh, so you can ferment your your organics in a bokashi system and then deliver them to a friend or a community garden or maybe you go out to a farm a couple times a year. So this is, bokashi is a way to preserve uh, material so it doesn't putrefy and stink, but it will be like sauerkraut. It will just kind of sit there and create all kinds of interesting fatty acids. And then when it goes into the soil, it delivers a lot of unusual stuff to the soil. And then there's a community of, of neighbors options. So if you can get together with a few people in your building and decide on a place to compost together outdoors, there's a few challenges with that. You have to find people who are motivated. <laughs> and if there's ever a change in leadership, then, of course, uh, things might fall apart. There might be someone who is full of compost myths living in the building who just throws up their hands saying, oh, it's going to smell, there's going to be rodents, there's going to be this, there's going to be that. So you have to deal with those myths. And, uh, and often the most successful community neighborhood success stories that I've seen have gone hand in hand with gardening. And uh, often in community gardens that happens, but just uh, even outside a, an apartment building, that works really well. And then, of course, there's the Share Waste app. So that is sharewaste.com online. It's a global app. It's not local. And you can connect with other people in the city who want to accept your organics and uh, turn them into compost for their own use. And sometimes Share Waste people will... Uh, for a little bit of sweat equity, you can take some of that compost home. So that's, that can be a win-win for both people. That's cool. But, you know, in our, in our research, we've found that one in three homes, um, single-family homes, compost in, in Edmonton. That's about, we're at about 33% right now. So maybe one of your neighbors does it, you just don't know it because it's just going on beautifully right on the other side of your fence. So ask around. You never know who you might find. Oh, it would be nice to see that number rise, too. It would. So where can people go to learn more about composting? Uh, well, we've got our web pages online. So it's edmonton.ca slash compost. Um, and the information there is specific to our own climate uh, and to our soil and to our winter. So if you are looking up how to compost, there's lots of information online. But just keep in mind that 
some of it will be for moist climates, some for more dry climates, some for tropical climates, and the rules are a little bit different for all of those different climates. And then, of course, you can come out to Compo School, which is staffed weekends until Labor Day, and uh, either Brett or Rodney or Sarah or I will be there uh, between 10 and 4, Saturdays and Sundays until Labor Day. So you can ask us some questions or take a look around. But of course, Compo School is open all the time because it's in, in Parkland. So you can just come by and look at the signs or check out what's going on in the bins, bring some of your organics down and throw it in one of our bins and we will turn it into compost and bring a bucket down to take some of the finished compost home with you. Uh, or you can take a worm kit from our little worm hut. So there's options there to, to kind of discover composting on your own or get some guided uh, help with it or just dive into one of our our little kits, our little processes. And it's beautiful there. It was lovely. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's in the River Valley. How, what's not to like about that? The birds singing and uh, the porcupines walking around. It is a great space. Yeah, you said there was a porcupine living under your deck? Yes. Yeah. It's been there for a number <laughs> of years. I haven't seen it this year. But we can see damage uh, you know, on the bark of some of the trees in the valley growing around us. So we know there's still lots of wildlife out there. Anything else you'd like to add? There's a lot of myth and a lot of fear around composting, and people just need to change their change their mental attitude towards it and come down and see what it's like, see what it smells like. Uh, hopefully, we'll have one bin on site that uh, is a little bit too wet or maybe hasn't been fluffed recently, so you can see what happens if a pile is abandoned and what that smells like. And hopefully, you'll see a lot of bins that have a good composting process going on so you can get a handle on how to manage those greens and browns, keep it moist and fluff it occasionally, and just what you get in the end. Take some of that compost home and see what it does for your garden. And uh, that's that's the clincher. You'll be sold for sure. Yeah, I really encourage everyone to go check it out. It's awesome. Thanks, Biz. Well, thank you so much for making the time to chat with me today. It's lovely to see your passion for composting and nature in general. Well, it was a pleasure, and uh, looking forward to seeing you at a compost school soon. See you soon. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening. If you are listening from right here in Edmonton, Alberta, I highly recommend visiting Mark and the rest of the team at Compost School. It really is such a beautiful place, surrounded by flowers, bees, wildlife, and of course, compost. And it's right in the heart of our city. I would love to hear about how you compost, or how your garden did this year. Or if there's anything else you'd like to share, follow us on Instagram at becominglesspod, or visit the website becominglesspod.podbean.com where you can find all the ways to connect and listen or even donate to support waste reduction efforts here in Edmonton. Every day, we can be a little less than we were yesterday. Bye-bye.